It's time for Friday Follies, right here on the Mutual Audio Network. The following audio drama is rated PG for parental guidance recommended. This podcast is a serial narrative, a story told episode by episode. Consequently, your listening journey would best be begun at the beginning. That's Kava Cranebottom Bone Detective, Episode 1. It is the year 2016, and life has lost all meaning. What once was up is down. What once was right is wrong. And those who dare to make a podcast which subversively reanimates the dead art of radio theater are considered dangerous criminal outcasts. Driven into exile, four pungent brigands risk their lives each week to broadcast from a South Seas barge, crudely fashioned from the disintegrating corpse of an ancient titan and several thousand yards of cooking twine to bring you the triumph, the majesty, the sublimity of rude alchemy. Previously on Carver Cranebottom Bone Detective. Ever since this whole bloody business began, I've been feeling these most violent urges. I believe I'm very close to finding a mixture that will quell the urges almost completely. The Dunbrooks, my former employers, there is one man who may be able to help you. A gardener by the name of Jonathan Bacon. Not a living member remains in this world. Lestris was married to his waifish wife, Seraphina. However, the poor woman never bored Lestris any heirs. There were multiple secret passages on the estate. You must point us to these tunnels. Leave this filthy world, my brethren. Damn that man. <coughs> Are you all right, Carf? Uh, of course, Baz. Why shouldn't I be? Tiny bones. They seem to be all over this garden. Come along, Mr. Bacon. You've got to show us to the tunnels. Oh, come on. Where the hell... Come on, let's wrap it up in there. Excuse me? A bit of privacy would be much appreciated right now. We're live. Let's go. Oh, yeah. Like I'm gonna fall for that one. Listen, Mentor, I've enjoyed your time here over the last several weeks. You've done a wonderful job of reigniting in me a passion for narrating that, while I won't say I lost, I perhaps misplaced under an ever-growing load of invariably inconsequential meanderings and misplaced priorities, and for that, I thank you sincerely. However... There comes a time when even the most inept pupil must demand the privilege, nay, the right, to poop in peace. What time does your watch say? I don't need to look at my watch, mentor. I have an impeccable sense of timing. My internal clock was the envy of all my peers at the University of Hampshire on South Bedford School of Narration. So, please, don't insult me by asking me to look at my... Oh, my God, I'm late. There it is. Oh, oh, son of a... Damn. Oh, what the... 
Oh, this has never happened before. This has never happened before. No, no, please, continue. Explain to our dear listeners how punctual you are. Shit, we really are live? As live as the parson was up until his neck was slashed. Son of a bitch! Okay, uh, 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 hello, dear listeners. Oh, f- me, me. What the hell is happening in there? The, the toilet broke. Broke? How? Oh, for the love of, I broke the toilet, okay? How? Never mind how, just get me a plunger, will you? No, no, I need to know. <sighs> my poop was too big, okay? Happy? For shit's sake, my poop was too freaking big. That's... Disgusting, yes. I'm well aware. A plunger, please. Okay, uh, what about... Oh, right, uh, just throw it to the announcer. Okay. Now, dear listeners, the continuation of Carver Cranebottom, Bone Detective, Chapter 2. Carver Cranebottom, Bone Detective is brought to you by Charles T. Pemberbroke's Boudoir Candle Deodorizer. Tired of your boudoir candles carrying that acrid nautical stench long after they've served their sensuous purpose? Give Charles T. Pemberbroke's Boudoir Candle Deodorizer a try. Our intrepid heroes arrive to the makeshift and still fresh gravesite of their once and recent guide, Jonathan Bacon. From a great window overlooking his body in grotesque shock was his discoverer, Nan. My goodness, what happened here? Here, I came here. There, there, all will be well. Oh, I can't. With a dramatic flare. Nan crashed through the window and collapsed into Basil's arm, placing the full weight of her plump body in his arms. Please comfort me, you wonderful man. Tell me how you'll protect me from the evils of this world. Well, I... I'm not sure I... uh, Just the smoothness of your silky and lustrous voice fills me with such peace. Your words wrap around me like a warm security Blanket. I, uh, thank you. If if you could just, uh, Carver. Hmm. Uh, I I uh, Carver. She so much uh, can't. Mm, yes, very good, Basil. I'm wondering though, how could this have happened so quickly? We were only just with the man. Excellent point. Uh, quite suspicious. I wonder where you. Uh, uh, seriously, help. Point to make I have look at the depth of this gash in his neck why this man was nearly decapitated the strength needed to inflict such a wound would be immense uh-huh. oh for goodness sake Basil our situation has clearly taken a turn for the worse I do believe the time for your little romantic dalliances must come to an end just ask the poor woman for an evening out if you're so interested 
What? No, I'm... It's fine. I'm sure she'll accept your bidding. Oh, you're worried about um, uh, armpit hair shows under... Rhoda. Rhodes, yes. Rhoda. Roomba? Ro... Da! Oh, Basil, drop the charade. We both know perfectly well that her name is not nearly important enough for me to remember. But still, you're not married. If Nan interests you so much, take her out and see where it goes. No need for either woman to know the other. Carver, sometimes I feel like you don't listen to me. Nan? Oh, Nan, dear, my associate here would like to take you out for an evening of dinner and dancing. Would that suit you? Oh, Yes. Very well. He'll call on you in a fortnight. See, Basil, not difficult at all. Now, may we please continue with our primary purpose? Sure. Why not? Excellent. Now, as I was saying, this man was killed by an inconceivable amount of force. Just look. Dear God! What is it? His body is lying atop something. See here, in the ground, a stone slab. It looks to be a door of some kind. This must be the entrance to the tunnels he was speaking of. The man died fulfilling his last promise. Aw, that's kind of sweet, isn't it? Suddenly, and without warning, the earth all around them began to rattle. Branches fell from trees, roots ripped through the ground, and stone gargoyles adorning the garden crumbled into ash. Earthquake! As the two detectives held on to each other for dear life while the world around them seemed to smash into itself, they noticed pockets of nothingness open in the ground. The earthquake shifted the grounds in such a way that sinkholes swallowed up much of their surroundings, including the body of Jonathan Bacon and the entrance to the tunnels he laid upon. After several death-defying moments, the land beneath their feet finally came to a standstill. Dear God, what is happening? I'll tell you what's happening. The world is coming to a damn end. Jesus, Carver, can't you see it? We're all screwed. We're f***ed. We're f***ed, man. I can't. I can't do this! I can't die! Dear God, we're all gonna die! I wanna live! There's so much I wanna see! I've never been with a man- Get yourself together, Bass. For the love of God, you're a man of the law. And English. We don't panic. Uh, oh my. You're right. My apologies, Carver. Thank you. Think nothing of it. Things are awfully strange. Right? Like, seriously, shit is getting weird. Indeed. Just then, the two gentlemen saw a rough-shod air balloon billowing above them. Take to the air! Demons roam freely on the earth! The air is our only saviour! Demons that come from the earth will be destroyed by the air! Dear God, they're going to start killing anyone they see walking on the ground, aren't they? That would appear to be the most literal interpretation of what they're saying. We'll never make it out of the garden in time. Basil, quickly, jump! What? Oh. They jumped into the sinkhole that was once covered by the door on which Mr. Bacon had perished. After tumbling down dirt and rock, they slid into the darkness of a wide tunnel. (laughs) (laughs) Finding themselves plunged into darkness, with only the scarcest light streaming through from the world above, the two attempted to illuminate their surroundings. Basil, do you have any matches? I seem to have misplaced mine. I think I... Oh, wait a second. Does this mean that Basil is the one to save the day? Whoa, let's just 
savor this moment, shall we? Basil. No, no, I just I just want to really relish this moment. I mean, this must be how you always feel. We need something, and you're the one to figure it out, to come up with some ingenious way of getting out of whatever predicament we inevitably find ourselves in. Well, here's a tip, old friend. A book of matches is always a good thing to carry on your person. Uh, here we are. Got them. Son of a bitch! Carver lit some nearby torches affixed to the walls and saw before him a maze of detailed markings etched all along the tunnel. Amazing. These appear to be some type of ancient runes. Magnificent. Any telling how old they are? Judging from the inlay and the type of stone, these are, I'd guess, a few centuries at least. Interesting. What is it, Carv? The language used appears to be Sanskrit. Oh. You wouldn't happen to... Be able to read Sanskrit? Um... Why do you ask, Basil? Are you not able to read this ancient and complex language? No? Hmm. Whatever shall we do? Sorry. What's that? Jesus, it's just... You're so freaking perfect, sometimes it's frustrating. Oh, my dear boy, I can only imagine. I am, after all, pretty f***ing awesome. Now, let's see here. Ah, yes. Carver went about translating the ancient runes and deciphering the complex story they told. This may take him a bit, so, um, I thought I'd take this time to let you, dear listener, know about a little side project I'm doing. It's called The Narrator Does Manhattan. You see, I've never been to Manhattan, and it turns out an old friend of mine is getting married. Usually I decline such an invitation, but I actually won a couple of hundred bucks off a scratchy, and while it was incredibly tempting to buy a flat-screen TV, I realized that I probably wouldn't be able to afford the monthly cable fee. Times are a bit rough, economically speaking. Thanks, China. Anywho, I figured instead I'd take a trip over to that Big Apple and make a weekend out of it. I'm going to journal my experiences along the way and put it into another podcast. Doesn't that just sound delightful? No. Oh, come on! You know, I wasn't even speaking to you. You're using your current narration as free advertisement for your own project. Have you no ethics? I didn't mean- We all know what you meant. No, it's just Carver was doing his thing, and I- Actually, I'm good to go. Whenever you're, uh- Oh. Okay, then. Oh, yeah. This isn't awkward at all. You've got this thing running like a well-oiled machine. Ugh, fine. Go ahead, Carver. Jeez. It seems that these carvings tell quite a horrid tale. Of what? It seems it all begins with what I can only suppose is pronounced... Beshevelstip. An ancient and ferocious demon that escaped the confines of its hell dimension and wreaked havoc on the earth, killing and maiming anything it came in contact with. This was during the time of Helmutschnot, the early man... In that time, so the story goes, the tie between the preternatural and natural world was in the process of being severed. Man decided to expel all mythical forces from the earth and declare it as his own. These mythical creatures are called here Thormonstrats, uh, loosely translated as uh, old ones. There were some who did not favor this course of action, as many of the creatures we sought to expel were our friends, guardians even. So by the time Bishevastip came to be, There was hardly anything left on Earth that was capable of fighting it. So early man took a different course. Rather than fight the demon, they sought to placate it. They discovered that offering sacrifices would satiate the demon's appetite for nearly endless destruction. But those sacrifices needed to be of the most pure and innocent early man could find. Babies? That's right, Basil. 
And remember, at the inn of the circling serpent, the old matron who... Ugh, remember? How could I forget? That woman's face looked like a 150-year-old severely dehydrated man's undercarriage if it was held under a heat lamp for ten straight days. Yes, her. Do you remember... I remember how it looked like she had old, near-death maggots for teeth and a scaly-skinned snake for a tongue. Correct you are. The story, though... I recall wondering if her... That's quite enough. Right. But yes, I do remember her. She told us of the man who inserted himself into the violent histories he spoke of. His familial line was one of the line of executioners, making sacrifices to deter Roman invaders. Of course, now we know I am a part of that line, and the sacrifices were made to keep these beasts at bay. But these ruins speak of a group of early men known as Pistrogracites, pilots. This group of early men claimed they could commune with the old ones, and even control them. Do you suppose the Dunrooks tried to become pilots themselves? It seems there's one sure way to find out. Carver and Basil crawled out of the tunnel, and once they reached the surface, they sprinted towards the house. With no regard for pretense, they barged through the door and into the foyer. Excuse me? Listen here, I have no time. Where's the familiar records? Well, I don't mind telling you I have no patience for such brutish behavior. Where are the records, mother In the study. Good man. In a tizzy, Carver and Basil ran to the study and began poring over the records. Before long, they found just what they suspected in a large, ancient-looking tome. Here, Serafina Dunrook. She married into the Dunrook family. Well, yes, Carver. I'm sure most of the men in the family were married. But what are we looking for exactly? Look at her maiden name. (gasps) Danderduff! Will the good detectives discover what the connection with the Danderduffs is? Will Basil actually go out on a date with Nan? Will the... Excuse me, do you mind? We're not quite through with this episode here. Seriously? That wasn't the end? No, we have a bit more. Wow. Whoa. I just thought that the Danderduff reveal was such a good place to cap it all off, you know? Do you even read the scripts ahead of time? Does it sound like I read them? Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. A, good point. Actually, good point. No, it, really yeah. does not. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Well, my bad. Please continue. I knew it. Things were a bit too neat and tidy for my liking. The Danderduff's involvement is right in line with the type of treachery we've seen unleashed. My former mentor is nothing if not diabolical in nature, and I can all too easily imagine his ancestors the same way. Controlling such a beast as the one roaming free right now would quite sufficiently provide them the power they so clearly lust after. Carve, can you look at this for a second? What is it? This portrait here. It says it's of Serafina, but look closely. Dear God, is it? It is. Nan! Will Carver and Basil discover the connection between Nan and the situation at hand? Will they be able to track down the beast and win this battle? Will- Oh, for heaven's sake, man. No, no way, no way! That wasn't the end? We just found out Nan is Serafina Dunbrook, a.k.a. Danderduff, and must be like 500 years old. (laughs) Man, there's a lot of reveals going on there. Yeah, I know, but we haven't reached the end of the episode. Wow. Okay, I'm sorry, but damn, that that really seemed like the end. Okay, continue. It's actually your line. Really? Shit! Sorry. We are going to have a long discussion tonight. Ugh. Shut up. Uh. Okay, alright, here we are. Uh. 
Kava looked up from the ancient tome and saw the aged face of Nan looking at him from the doorway. Nan! Suddenly, she ran from the entrance with a sprightness unnatural for a woman of her elderly stature. Carver and Basil burst out of the room and searched all around, but to no avail. The woman was gone. Uh, Mrs. Cranebottom, Basilton, I must apologize for my earlier comment regarding your brutishness. I was simply taken aback by your sudden entrance and resorted to my old ways, which... I am sorry to say, we're filled with judgment and a quick temper. Never mind all that. We have bigger things to concern ourselves with. Well, I certainly am pleased to hear that. Perhaps it's time I make another amends. You see, I have letters here for you both. Uh, This one here is for you, Mr. Basilton. Oh, it's from my Rhoda. How lovely. Thank you, good deacon. It is my pleasure, of course. And this one here, Mr. Cranebottom, is for you. It's from Lilith. She says I must come to London immediately. She believes the demon is making its way there. She speaks of information not yet known, and then... Uh, uh, and then nothing. Nothing? Uh, yes, nothing. Some darkness covers the remainder of the letter. A stain of some sort. What is the manner of this? Hence the amends I am to make. I'm afraid I spilled my Earl Grey on the letter. I don't know how many times I've told myself not to open the mail during tea time, but it's just so damn convenient, you see. Unfortunately, I have a bit of a dribble lip. And it's dated five days ago. Why am I only receiving this now? Who knows how close the demon could be to London? That, I'm afraid, must be chalked up to simple forgetfulness. Again, my sincerest apologies. But I can be a bit absent-minded sometimes. It's a miracle I remember to give them to you at all. A great hush came over the hall, as a noticeable difference in Carver's stature came to be. A great hunch formed in his back, and a low, nearly imperceptible growl escaped his throat. His eyes tightened, and his fists clenched. Ah, Carve? Is something wrong? Insufferable fools. Come now, Mr. Crane Bottom, it was just a spot of tea and a few days late. No more. No more. Tickle, tickle. Your medicine. Here, let me... Basil hurriedly thrust his hand to Carver's pants pocket. (laughs) Oh, seriously? There's no joke here about that? We're letting that one go? We're getting to the climax. Keep going. Oh, come on! This is just too easy! Oh, for the love of God! Go! 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 Fine. Basil hurriedly thrust his hand to Carver's pants pocket. And grasped the vial of medicine. Upon pulling it out, he ripped off the stopper, only to find that none of the secretive elixir was left. It's empty. Oh dear. Basil, what have you done, you fool? Um, why does he have a knife? Carver! No! Don't! In one swift motion, Carver reeled his body around and slid his knife through the air as quickly as his movements began. He stopped and stood as still as a statue. At first, Basil could not make out what his friend had done. Briefly, he thought Carver had controlled whatever monstrous impulse had overtaken him. Then, like a drizzle from the sky that preceded a thunderous rainfall, blood trickled from the deacon's throat, and within a second, his chest was down with his own blood gushing from his severed arteries. As though it had been professionally choreographed, the deacon's lifeless body crumpled to the floor whilst Carver turned himself towards Basil and locked his blackened eyes on his former ally. Carver? Carver's not here.
Are you... are you gonna... Hmm? What's that? We're done. That's a wrap on the episode. You can do your thing now. Oh. Okay. Didn't know if that was another false stop or not. (laughs) Okay, we're good. We're good? Yep, we're all good down here. Ask away. Excellent. Will Basil be able to end Carver's murderous rampage and restore the bone detective to his former self? Will the true intentions of the Dandaduffs be revealed? Will we see the destruction of London before it can be stopped? Find out next time on the season finale of Carver Cranebottom, Bone Detective. Carver Cranebottom, Bone Detective is brought to you by Charles T. Pemberbrook's Gourmet Pet Savories. Do you have a pet you love more than any human? Do you treat your pet better than you treat members of your own family, even your own children? Do you constantly entertain the delusion that your pet feels affection for you beyond your role as a provider of sustenance? Then you certainly won't mind paying an exorbitant price for these exceptional and rare delicacies you'd forgo for your own wife! Dear listeners, if you have not heard yet, Rude Alchemy has reduced their seasons from five episodes to now only four. I would like to go on record as saying I am vehemently against this. I mean, come on, people. Who wants this to end? This is high-quality radio drama. I mean, sure, I, like you, am as confused as shit, but otherwise, this is really gripping stuff. I mean, they have to wrap this entire storyline up in one more episode, and we haven't even seen the damn demon yet. How are they going to do that? Are they going to do it? I don't know. Maybe they'll kick the can again and leave us dangling on another cliff's edge for a damn year. Who knows? That's what's so exciting. No one can tell if you're being sarcastic or sincere. What? Me? Moi? Why, I never. I think you're beyond being helped. Is that so? Am I beyond your assistance? Am I beyond you? You cannot be beyond me. I'm the mentor. You are nothing more than my pupil. You can go rogue if you wish, but all you'll be doing is hurting our kind. Narration deserves better than you. Oh, do they? Do we? What are you doing? What are you up to? I suppose we'll just have to wait and see, won't we? We'll just have to wait and see... Rude Alchemy is Mr. Thomas Hodgkin, Mr. Andrew Kane, Mr. Andy Werner, and Mr. Ryan Whalen. Carver Crane Bottom Bone Detective Story by Rude Alchemy with Mr. Kane as lead story editor. This episode written by Mr. Hodgkin and edited by special guest Mr. Michael Hahn. Featuring the voices of Rude Alchemy. Music composed by Mr. Benjamin J. Rahm. For a listing of Creative Commons sound effects attributions, visit rudealchemy.com slash attributions. Be sure to like and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. And please rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes to support Rude Alchemy and gain access to exclusive bonus content including blooper reels from every season. Visit rudealchemy.com slash support. And finally, hey. Hi, guys. Hey. How are you? I'm, uh... I'm good. Bet better, bet bet be, better, better actually. I I I uh, I haven't eaten for a few weeks now, and I think the hunger has finally plateaued. You know, I I don't even feel it anymore. I've I've kind of stopped wanting water too, which I figure, hey, I'll, I'll just skip that also. Goodbye, water weight. <laughs> ow, ow, ah, sorry, ow. Uh, s- sudden movements are kind of painful because of my dry, cracked skin. I, I-, I don't know what's going on there. Anywho, I- I'm going to sign off now. 
I've been sleeping like 20 hours a day for some reason, so I'd kind of like to get back to that. Uh, also, a few milliliters of saliva have built up in my mouth since I've been talking, and I really want to take care of that, but for some reason it just hurts like the dickens to swallow, so... So I'm going to sign off now so I can let it dribble out of my mouth. Good night! So, do you have children, or are you just a child at heart? In which case, Saturday Story Circle might be a good place to kickstart your weekend. Because we have the very best of family-friendly audio, which is all rated G for great. Join us on the main Mutual Audio Network feed, or you can find us at the Saturday Story Circle, wherever you get your podcasts. <laughs>